even starting, I'm getting criticism from other pastors. And I mean, it's nonsense. Hey, it's Matt, nonsense. Uh, I'm recording because I'm smarter than to just let y'all talk and not record. So I want to like do it, make it official before you get into because I feel it. I, I feel you. Uh, I, it's, it's when you hold the, 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 the podium. I know that you about to really get on. And, that, and that's what I see you doing. You holding the podium. So can we get started first and then right. we kind of talk through these things? Is that so OK? I, I was. Yes, absolutely. See how buddy leads me. So <laughs> I, 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 uh, I just wanted to see more. I just wanted you to get a feel for where we're at and what we're doing. And I also wanted you to know that you have been just, a your, what your, your podcast has been a blessing. And, uh, yeah. So I'm thankful for you, brother, big time. You've been an encouragement to us on the East coast, knowing you're all the way out there on the, on the left coast. And, uh, so, uh, it's, it's a blessing. All right, buddy, t take over. <laughs> all right. Well, first, uh, I want to, uh, thank you for joining us. And, uh, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to do, uh, first I'm going to have you pray and then we're going to just do, uh, I'm just going to do an introduction and I'm, I'm going to get ahead of it this time, Matt. Can you, when you say, uh, when I ask you, you know, my famous question is like, how you doing today? Just say good. And then I'm going to have you introduce him. I don't want you, I just don't want you to get ahead of me because I know that's what you do. Because uh, this is what it, Seymour, this is what he'll do. Hey, I'm good, buddy. And I'm excited about our guest that we have today. And I'm like, I wanted to set that up, you know, I wanted to, you know, make it, so <laughs> right. I just wanted to get in front of him this time, so now it's like, okay, yeah. he, he knows, he knows. Good about move, it. All All right, good. Right. That's the preacher in there, man, that's the preacher. It is, <laughs> and I, and you know what, I, I sometimes I want to try to control it, but I just say, you know what, just let it go, it's just, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so. <laughs> this is Truth. Talks. Welcome back, everyone, to the Truth Talks podcast. I'm your host, Buddy Boone. With me today is the pastor of Bellcroft Bible Church. His name is Pastor Matt White. How you doing today, sir? I'm doing. I'm doing really good, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> thank, thank. Uh, I'm glad you're doing well, Matt. I appreciate you. And uh, Matt, uh, since since I know you are 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 willing and ready to do this, I want you to introduce uh, our special guest for us, if you would. Uh, we have a we have a uh, a special dear brother, uh, Seymour Pastor Seymour Helliger from Long Beach, uh, California, who's on the podcast with us, and I am honored and privileged to just uh, call him friend and brother, and thankful for his ministry, uh, faithful ministry there now in Long Beach for many years. It was about seven years, Seymour. Yeah, going on seven years. Yeah, you got so it. I've been tracking, man. I, I you did I good. Have, I had yeah. the privilege to preach there a few times, so uh, yeah, it's been a real, real joy to be in seminary with Seymour. I can still remember actually the first time you and I met. Still remember. I can take you to the place there uh, in the parking lot and where we met and uh, made an impression on me the first day and uh, found every one of our conversations uh, always edifying, encouraging, convicting, and your precious family, your sweet wife. Valencia and your precious family and then we got to grow through seminary I say grow emphasize that grow through seminary together as families with our children and what a blessing uh, that was and then to be able to watch each other serve on the two different sides of the country has been a, a real blessing I appreciate you brother and we 
wanted to have you on to get your insight uh, as a pastor out in California, as well as uh, some of the wisdom that uh, you've gained through this whole debacle we're going through and to help us think through it and even to help encourage our people some. So we're glad you're here, brother. Thank you, brother. It's, uh, it's an honor to be here. Thank you, brother Matt. And also, buddy, it's good to, to officially meet you, buddy. And so I'm looking forward to our time together. Absolutely. Especially since you have no idea the questions I'm going to ask you. Um, right. <laughs> well, it's I'm not a gotcha question type of guy. I just I, I'd rather the truth go out. So I'm not going to sit here and try to do gotcha. I will, however, uh, uh, exercise your, uh, your 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 wisdom here and, and have you to really work out. I always try to, uh, you know, make it so that it's a it's a very hard question, but a very good question. And one that I already know that you have the answer to. So there you go. I, I just gave you everything in the beginning. So you shouldn't, fear, brother. Yeah, you, you shouldn't. You shouldn't be scared of the questions I'm going to ask you. I will say that the the biggest thing that I love, and this is why it's a Truth Talks podcast, is this is actually uh, my uh, uh, my counseling session, my biblical counseling session. And last time I had George Lawson and Matt on. Uh, I decided that I wanted to talk a little bit more than I should have. So I'm not going to make that mistake this time. I'm going to listen. I'm going to ask questions. And I'm going to allow uh, the two uh, pastors uh, to go back and forth and not back and forth as an argument, but back and forth with wisdom and wisdom so that I can sit and I can learn uh, because there is much more for me to learn than there is for me to teach. Uh, and that is with life in general. So uh, I want to start us off with this. First, I want to say uh, and and definitely uh, make sure that people go to. Uh, I saw it on Spotify. Are you on iTunes as well? Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. Yes, we are okay. on those platforms. The name of the podcast is the Pastor Soapbox, and uh, I, I I didn't I didn't realize it until today that you only had about six or seven episodes. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. I, we just did the eighth one last week. So, yeah, we haven't had that many. On. Yeah, I was I was surprised because of the way that it has been done is very excellently done. And, and we didn't get to that that point of excellence till about uh, season two. So <laughs> it was it's really good. And the content is superb. I will definitely say that. And I want to pull out a few things that you were actually saying uh, during that podcast and kind of get you to expound on it. The very last one that I heard was actually talking about Marxism. And uh, this is a, a topic that is not as uh, is not as talked about as much. I mean, we even on this podcast, we've talked about Black Lives Matter and then we've mentioned intersectionality and critical race theory. But Marxism is another aspect that we really haven't talked about. So uh, just as you did on your podcast, can you kind of give us a, a rundown of it? And then uh, once we do that, we can kind of go, uh, of course, to the why it's wrong biblically. Uh, but just kind of give us, you know, educate us on what that's all about, the Marxism. Okay, y'all be more than happy to do so. Uh, well, just to give you a brief summary of Marxism historically, mm -hmm. uh, that they would call a classical Marxism or classic Marxism. Um, the, the objective was to to neutralize society to where you didn't have a, a high class, a middle class, or lower class, mm -hmm. um, and it uh, it was aimed to to put everyone at the position of equilibrium. So uh, there there's there's no owning of property. The government owns the property. Um, 
and the realized eschatology at that time for Karl Marx was uh, was that the nation is ruled by one leader and we all have everything uh, in common. Mm -hmm. So he, he had an eschatological goal and uh, it was to equalize and uh, to equalize the economic advantages and uh, to make sure that everyone has the same of everything and no one owns anything above each other. So the goal was to, to root out capitalism. Hmm. But ultimately, I think what we have to think about is that the way someone's uh, presuppositions work, it helps to form their beliefs or, or their behavior. And uh, his presupposition was really rooted in his, his atheistic view. Um, and that's critical for us to recognize, you know, human structures or even the structures we see in capitalism, if someone's working against it, we have to ask why. Um, and a uh, heart of, I think, Marx's uh, issue was his, his hatred and denial of the existence of God. Um, he wanted to eliminate everything that was religious, everything that was godly, everything that was true. Um, his father uh, converted from Judaism to, to um, Protestantism for the sake of a job, for economic reasons. And I don't think that set well with, with Karl Marx. And uh, then he saw the poor and disenfranchised people in society, and, and I think it, it just helped to shape his agenda. But as I read him historically, um, his, uh, his writings are confusing but his objective is clear it it was in the process of bringing society to the place where you don't need to be successful with god or you don't need god to be successful you can attain success without god and here's how we can have all things in common as that the believers and acts did for that period of time and so i think the core of his practice was his denial of the existence of god and then i believe that helped really uh, propel him into formulating um, a, a philosophy that was connected to the Enlightenment uh, to eliminate this need for God, as he called religion the the opium for uh, society or the masses. It, that to me was his underlying theme. Uh, he was he was an anti-God, anti-Christian uh, type of man, and I think that affected uh, the way that he approached life and society in general. So he just targeted an area that was sensitive to society. Um, people were, were ever financially burdened. And uh, if you give them some, any insight to, uh, hey, you can be liberated from this, he knew how to, I think, touch the sensitive nerve of society's great need. And uh, he was obviously an influential writer. So now you fast forward it into our time. What you have now is um, you'd have what we call cultural Marxism or neo-Marxism. Um, it's, it's switching from this economic thinking into more of the intellectual thinking. Years ago, economics may have moved the people. They, they were disenfranchised. They were poor. And there probably were more of them to mobilize to, to help break down those structures and orders in society that put them at a disadvantaged position. Well, Marxism will say, well, there's still disadvantage, there's still oppression, but we're going to work through the intellectual sphere. We're, we're going to work through those influential mediums in education. Uh, we're going to use those mediums in politics. We'll use those mediums in education. And so instead of educating our kids, it's no longer education, it's indoctrination. Um, instead of the news, it's propaganda. Um, in, instead of politicians for the people, it's politicians for a particular a propaganda or a movement, and, and the BLM movement fits into that equation. Something to realize is that a lot of the teachings that we see right now comes from the Frankfurt School. Marxism's from it, uh, critical theory comes from it. So it's, it's, it's not a coincidence that these are actually interrelated. Where you see intersectionality, critical race theory, th these are from the Marxist hub. And I think if you look at Marxism, you see how fluid it is. It, it's fluid because it just has an objective. 
and it will use whatever means necessary to achieve it. So that is why it's been reinterpreted over the years because of the philosophy and the core of that philosophy is still the same. The vehicle it uses will change depending on what people's felt needs may be. One of the problems that presents for the church is that if the church is always about the felt needs of society, it becomes a Marxist agenda um, in the sense that it's appeasing to people's felt needs as opposed to their greater need. And uh, because critical race theory and all of those in critical theory, actually critical theory itself, comes from the school that taught Marxism and re 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 um, resurrected Marxism in the form of cultural Marxism and using the intellectual sphere, um, it is a very dangerous vehicle to go on, and it is deceptive and it is deadly. So when, when you look at history and, and see the, the, the beginnings of this movement and how it evolves over the years, it makes sense that these things evolve because the whole objective is to disarm the gospel and to arm humanity uh, and empower them apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that's a, that's a, a brief synopsis of, of both the, the historical traditional Marxist belief and also the cultural one. I think the cultural one is very effective today uh, because it, it's really preying on people's sense of quote oppression and they need to be freed from a particular system. And so once again, that's a Marxist ideology that is filtered into society very strategically, but that, that's called Marxist uh, imprint on society that continues to reverberate today. Okay. Uh, wow. So what you said, and I want to make sure that I heard this correctly, is that Marxism is more or less the foundation of a lot of these different... Because um, And, and the reason... The, the reason why it came and popped in my head is because I definitely heard, you know, verbatim that the one of the leaders of the Black Lives Matter movement said that she was a trained Mar uh, Marxist. And first of all, trained Marxist is too, like, it's very weighty words. But what you're saying is that Marxism is actually the, the root of critical race theory and intersectionality. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, my point is that much of these movements find their impetus from Marxism hmm. because it's it's an attack on society's structures. Yep. It's to tear down society's mainstays. It's to eradicate history. People don't realize that, that Karl Marx wanted to erase history, and one of the history he wanted to erase was the history of creation and Christ. Yep. In doing so, you establish your own history. Exactly. You take away the credibility of true, real history and the most faithful history, and that is of scripture. So what you're seeing is you're seeing signs of Marxism uh, in our society through those different mediums. Yeah. And, and he didn't really care how it was done. He just wanted it done. Mm -hmm. and, yep. uh, it's becoming very successful. The issue, though, as we would say, brothers, is that when the church, you know, uh, we, we say this, right, that, that God who ordains the ends ordains the means to the end and the same God who ordained the beginning. Mm hmm. Um, the issue is that the means that's being used to, to further, as people say, quote, social justice, which is a, just a Pandora's box anyway, because I don't know if everyone really understands the definition. <laughs> uh, in, in doing right. so, you're saying that the means that God has established is no longer necessary. And so we have to adopt critical race theory, which is in some of the churches. It is an anti-God, atheistic, Marxist platform. Uh, that I think if you were to trace Marxism, you would see that a lot of the beginning of the births of these movements find and trace their way back to him. One of the subtleties in Marxism is that people, it's hard for people being taught that over the years in school to recognize that that's the, that where they're associated with. Of course, the lady from um, um, the Black Lives Matter movement did verbalize it, 
I don't think it makes a difference to society because people don't really understand exactly. structurally what is wrong with that because dead people can't speak. Yeah. And so this is something that has to be spiritually discerned as First Corinthians chapter 2 says. We expect the church to be more alert when it comes to these things. And I think that's a bigger concern for us at this time as pastors and leaders in our churches. You, yeah. you were going to say something, Matt? Well, I was just going to say, yeah, absolutely. Seymour is 100% correct. And Marxism is the foundation of so much in our society. And, and yet most people don't know that, right? Marxism is the foundation for communism. <laughs> that's, that's really what we're watching, really. The end of capitalism the destruction of all history, the destruction of anything that resembles capitalism so that so that they can remake it into a communist country. And that is exactly what's going on right now. And don't you think for a moment that China's, China's not, not behind so much of what's going on because this is what they want. And, uh, and Marxism lays the groundwork for, for all communism and, and the, the dehumanization of humanity right it is it is really what was at the heart of and uh, not to, not to throw this out as a divi dividing point but it really marxism was at the heart of what happened with germany and nazi and the nazis against the jews and that that long before hitler came on the scene there was a propaganda campaign that went on for years calling out the jews as they have Jewish privilege, that they were parasites, that they were the that they were the oppressors that needed to be wiped out. So that when Hitler rolled onto the scene, all he did was build upon that whole reality. And then he he just had the momentum and he just carried it forward. And we're watching that same propaganda happen now. I was reading an article even today by Rob Dreer, and he was talking about that. And he said, just take out whiteness in all the propaganda that you hear now and put Jewishness in its place and watch how sick it makes you feel when you take whiteness out and put Jewish Jewishness is because we've all lived through, you know, the teachings on the Holocaust and we're, and we can immediately spot that and say, that's wrong. But now when we hear all the whiteness stuff, everybody's like, yeah, what's wrong with that? And it's like, we're the prop the propaganda uh, train is rolling. And so that, we can uh, all the Marxists that are already in government and already in society can roll up behind and just push it forward. And uh, it's yeah, it's and like Seymour said, I mean, society is going to disintegrate. We know that. Right. Second uh, Timothy two makes that clear. Second Timothy chapter two, verse three, uh, Paul said to Timothy, don't don't get frustrated. Don't worry. The imposters, deceivers are going to come. They're going to get worse and worse. The world's going to wax on worse and worse. But as for you, man of God, what? Stick with the word, that word that made you wise unto salvation. And so, um, Seymour, you're, you're exactly right. Our biggest concern is not so much what goes on in the world. We, we, care for, we care for the world because it's our mission field, right? And we're seeking to pull those out of the world as God sovereignly saves them. Yet at the same time, our jurisdiction is the church, right? That's our authority. And, uh, and it really is scary to watch the lack of discernment of so many people in the church that are just being seduced by this system, which is, I, I believe, is satanic because it's anti-God, right, from day one. And uh, so, Seymour, I'd like you, just from your, from, from your wisdom and understanding of this, 
talk a little bit about um, even Marxism as it relates to the historical social gospel, right? So, so just that reality, and then even uh, a little bit of because uh, um, I think this doesn't get talked about enough as it as it becomes to the Black Lives Matter movement, some James Cone Black Liberation theology, right? Like, I mean, that's foundational to all of this, and not too many people are talking about it. Yeah, brother, I appreciate your points. Well said about the end goal being communism. Um, I, I will add to uh, the fact that the a part of the deception in our society has to do with the infiltration of, of uh, the news, the media, also television shows. Um, our television shows and our networks are neutralizing the nuclear family. Uh, there's no distinction between male and female. You don't have a leadership structure. All of these things are, are Marxist agendas. Uh, and I said in the last episode that, that his, his goal was to dismantle order in every sense of the word. Yep. Um, because it was a, an attack against the authority that God ordained in Genesis. Now, the, the thing with some of these other uh, issues that we have with uh, Black liberation theology and, and the reason why it's close to Marxist uh, ideologies is that it targets the, quote, oppressed. Yep. Which is, once again, a, a very difficult category to frame. When we think of oppression uh, in, in America, that is extremely difficult to quantify, to justify, to validate. Um, there have been some studies uh, to, to actually prove to, to the contrary, that um, in America, America is, is a, a place of opportunity. It all depends on, on you taking advantage of the opportunity. Uh, there were statistics uh, that uh, would actually disprove of, of an oppression that people say is there and that we don't have equal opportunity. The fact of the matter is no one in this world has equal opportunity. Uh, <laughs> no one is ever equal. No one will ever be equal. Amen. Um, why, it's not why, a social issue. Why does, why, why does everybody make that claim about when it's, when it's a race, race, reality, economic opportunity where there's like, we need equality, we need equality. But when it comes to athletics, where we, I mean, we know for a fact <laughs> There's no equal opportunity there, and we understand. We understand who who carries the basketball court, oh and yet nobody goes up in arms about that. I mean, is there not disparity there? That's yeah, God given, and nobody. Come on, man. Yeah, we brother, we can't bring your experience into this equation. <laughs> I'm just. I'm just. I'm just... There, there are other quote white men who can jump. <laughs> I'm thinking about Larry Bird. I'm thinking about uh, what's the name the 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 guy. Uh, West, uh, West, uh, he's Jerry the, West. He, he, yeah, yeah, Jerry West. He's from West Virginia. About, he's one of the guy that uh, Rex Chapman from University of Kentucky. Oh my goodness, Rex Chapman, yeah. man, he had springs in his legs. Yeah, or he can go. But yeah, I was just teasing you, brother. To your no, point, it's, it's true. You know, <laughs> we, we 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 all have been endowed with gifts and talents, and it varies. It's it's easy for a preacher to say, I, "I'm not equally as capable as another pastor," uh, but uh, the the issue is when you bury that talent. And uh, what seems to be the issue is that through these ideologies like Black Liberation and others, it actually keeps us suppressed yep. into thinking that we need some advantage from someone else or for someone else to be less of themselves for us to be our true selves. Mm. Wow. Uh, it, it points the blame on the outside as opposed to the inside. And it says, God, you have not made me sufficiently capable. Wow. I was going back to a statistic and, and the reason why I wanted to bring it up. Uh, it says that uh, those of, of my ethnicity um, and, and yours, buddy, right, 
that uh, those of us who come from the islands, and I was born in the islands, we tend to fear better in, in, in the U.S. And there was a young man who said that. I wish I had his name because I, I think some of his thoughts were prudent. And uh, it, it has to do with, with our training and, and our family values, which again goes back to the scripture. You can be a believer and unbeliever. There is something important about a covenant marriage and a relationship. Mm -hmm. There's something important about a father and a mother being involved in the home. That is not the only issue uh, with, with our people uh, of, of my ethnicity, but it's one of the primary ones, and it ranks the top. Those with a, a father-mother structure tend to do better. Uh, those without it do not. So you have someone from the islands, they tend to have a family structure, or at least a father's involved, even if he's, they're not uh, in a marital relationship. And there's a sense in which the parents are encouraged them to work as hard as they can. And that's what was instilled in me when I was a young man. Is you know, just the ethic of hard work. I, I never looked over my sh shoulder to see who was more advantaged than me, but I certainly looked over my shoulder to see how hard I was working in comparison to them. Hmm. I always wanted to make sure that my work ethic was not um, outmatched or outdone, but I was working as hard as I could because I was taught that. Hmm. Um, and so I think a part of the, the, the problem with, with the movements like Black Liberation, it, it focuses on, on this oppression, that we are an oppressed people that there's prejudice, that there's racism, uh, that, that the white man hates the black man. And, and that rhetoric, the problem with that rhetoric is that it's actually being spoken by so-called preachers. And I think once again, that's the core issue. It's not dealing with depravity, nor is it dealing with, with, with humanity's contentment with the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, that Paul said in Philippians chapter four, he says, I, I've learned in every situation to be content why, Paul, please help us. Well, he said, I learned over the years, so I went to the school of learning. It's not something I got overnight. But what, what Paul was saying, in essence, is that through the learning process, he learned to be content with Christ. And that's the Christian gospel. The Christian gospel satisfaction with Christ. James Cohn and his uh, liberation doctrine is a dissatisfaction with Christ because I'm dissatisfied with life. Exactly. It's not the focus on the future glory. It's the focus on the present vain, empty, fleeting, passing glory. And it also promotes the very thing that's in our heart, brothers, and we know that. Uh, you see the scriptures, the one thing that, that's common with us among many sins is the sin of hate. We naturally tend to hate those who don't like us or not like us or may have something more than we do. But we don't have to tra train hate. You don't have to train two kids in, with one car, <laughs> even in your own home. You may have one tour car and two boys in the house. So you don't have to teach hate. Right. They're both squatched fighting, squabbling over that one simple toy because they hate the fact that the other party may have it and they do not. Mm. What's the resolution for that? It is not for us to blame other people. And these movements, they blame shift. This is, this is an external issue. Now, I just want to back up. When we talk about the, the history of America, certainly slavery was a, a dark and a sinful and evil time. And uh, we, we recognize those things. But if we can say theologically and statistically, that this generation is no far ahead in their in their success financially than the prior generation. To say that we are unequal because of our color is actually a misnomer financially. It's not consistent. Yep. Because when you have after a few generations, guys, we have to restart. And the statistics proves that you have yep. to start over and get your finances. Very few people's finances roll over because uh, the economy is changing constantly. Trades are changing constantly. You don't have the same business. Some business closed down because they, they weren't innovative. They've had to change. If you, a few years ago, you had phones. You, you had to have a, a phone. Now you don't need a phone, a cell phone, not from cell phone to, to, um, to, to internet. And so if companies were not changing over the years, they would go out of business. Mm -hmm. Same thing for businessmen. And so there's a sense where society almost resets. 
and what you have in your pocket is what your neighbor has in your in their pocket. So the issue is not economic. Um, the issue is not oppression. The issue is sin. And uh, the, the the Black Liberation Movement is not centered on humanity's issue. It's 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 centered on the externals. Now going back to the the parenting situation, I just want to touch on that before I move on. What I hear a lot from James Cone is not dealing with the family structure, and that's problematic. And the reason why I say that is this. It takes hard work to disciple men to be men. Yep. It's easy work to tell someone else to be less of a man so that I can look like a man. And I think our society is doing that. Be less of yourself so I can be more of who I am. Instead of teaching our young men to be men, to act like men, be strong, let you to be done in love, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, teaching them those biblical values and principles, that's hard work. It takes time. Instead of doing that, we're telling them it's okay to write, to be angry, to be frustrated. Uh, your riot is, is symptomatic of the root cause, and the root cause is not just stuff that's outside of yourself. And so let me add to that family structure something very important for Christians to think about. We are in a psychological society. And many of your pastors who are trained in psychology have been bit by the bug. They won't say it. But we're seeing the effects of poor training over the years in our churches, where psychology is mixed with Christianity. And psychology tends to blame external events, external affairs, structures, people, systems, right? You will run the traffic light and you'll blame the red light, even though the red light was red and you know the law was wrong. <laughs> uh, we tend to blame outside structures because psychology says you've got to blame someone outside of yourself. Mm. And I find that to be between pastors who've been psychologized over the years, they're actually not capitulating to the learning when they're affected by an event around them, they can't turn to the scriptures because they're so in touch with their uh, inner feelings. It, it harms society in seeing the real issue. So you have the family structure there. Black liberation doesn't deal with that. It deals with outside structures. And then it preys on people's emotion related to oppression, that we are oppressed. And we'd be hard-pressed, brothers, to find oppression in our society today, especially in America and maybe in other parts of the world. But the chief oppression for society is their bondage and sin. And if we don't deal with that and call our men to be men, to be godly men, to be parents, to be fathers, to be husbands, stop being unfaithful. The, the next woman across the, down the street is not going to be the cure. That Your cure is Christ. Your need is not another woman. Your need is to be reconciled to God. If we do not bring that to the table, we will not help societies to, to, to be brought to a place by the Spirit of God to recognize the greatest need. If we continue to harbor this sense of, look, we, we need more reparations, we, we need social justice, we're saying to the world that we are 100% sure that the gospel of our Savior is insufficient to cure all of your problems. That's exactly right. You are spot on. And Seymour, wouldn't you say that then victimhood is, is, uh, is, is which is what you're talking about, really, victimhood, right? It's at the heart yeah. of Marxism, right? Because even, even classical Marxism, right? It was, it was the, the, the working class to look at the proletariat class and say, look, Look at what they have and you don't have. See, you're the, you're the victim, right? And then in neo-Marxism, it's, it's, it's victimhood by, by color of skin, right? And yeah. by ethnicity and, uh, and placement in life. And so would you, would you then say, because this is an issue that I think I, I've heard and I'm sure you've heard it as a pastor, well, you need to do more. You need to do more. You're not doing enough. Uh, you're, or, you know, our church doesn't get it or... You, you guys are being left behind and all these things. And I would say, you know, apart from the what I think are just the non-negotiables and the explicitly clear 
calling to preach the gospel, right? <laughs> and preach the word. There's not much more I can do than that that's going to have more of an impact. But I think you have hit the nail on the head, which is the greatest thing we can do to help this society is to raise up godly men. That, that to me, that to me gets to the heart of it. You know, aside from preaching the word and doing all that we do in our roles as shepherd, I can't think of something more important, more foundational, more impacting upon society than to take our teenage boys, our young adult boys, our, and teach them what does it mean to be a godly man. I don't know. You tell me. Amen, brother. Uh, I echo it uh, because that's that's the essence of discipleship when it comes to a man. You look at Proverbs. It's not that the women are not important, but what keeps society stable and sane yep. are, are men of the word. Yep. Who fear God, first of all. And even when you have young men in the home, um, I was talking to my wife early today, and the fear of God wasn't as strong when I was a child. Yeah, but the fear of dad was, and it was very helpful. Amen. It, it, oh, it yeah. occurred some. Yeah, you guys can attest to that, right? Mm-hmm. Amen. Yeah, buddy, you can attest to. There's something about the fear of dad that's really true. It works. Um, and biblical. At some point, though, yeah, it is biblical, right? In Proverbs, yeah. you, you have the rod of correction. Yep. It is the training, teaching, verbalizing it, but it's also letting the son know that yeah, I've got something. It's called a rod. It's the word of God, but it's also a belt or an instrument that I would use. And there's a special nerve. As I said, there's a very special nerve on the backside that gets to the brain faster than words does when it comes to a stubborn child. <laughs> and a few holy gospel-driven swats will drive the, the foolishness far from them. There, there was something um, in, about in what my dad said. When my mom said, wait till your dad gets home, that just, I mean, just that... <laughs> That the feeling that I had about that, and yeah, it's yeah. Brother, I don't talk about agree. it. Those are, those are some words you didn't want to hear. Oh no, yep. no, don't mom, tell me. Mom, please spank me. Mom, please <laughs> yeah, spank me. Yeah. I'll take a yeah. spanking all day from mom. All day long. I'll take three. I'll take four. Right. There was something unique about a father addressing wrongs done. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's not that it. My my mother spanking hurt more, physically. <laughs> <laughs> but my father's spanking hurt more deeply. Yeah. It affected the soul. Yep. I disappointed the head of my home. Exactly. And when you think about those who follow the Lord Jesus Christ, our sins, it does the same thing to us, doesn't it? Yep. I've disappointed my, I know he loves me, but I've disappointed my father. Mm. Yep. There's something about that relationship that is so precious and so special that in raising men and, and teaching them the fear of the Lord, it, it begins in the home and, and teaching them biblical wisdom, biblical principles, responsibility. Hey, stay away from, from the adulterous. Mm-hmm. Look, don't go down the street, take a different path. Las Vegas may not be the route to take, take another route. Make sure that you do what is right because it, the end is the way of death. And those who go by her never come out alive. And those are the lessons you learn from the father. And as the father teaches, he's repeating the same thing. And the daughters are hearing it. And the daughters are hearing, oh, wow, a virtuous woman is not the adulterous woman. Mm-hmm. A virtuous woman is a woman who fears the Lord, who obeys the Lord. And in Proverbs 31, she's, she's almost the height of Proverbs and seeing a virtuous woman. And so it affects the whole family. Now, you bring a godly man to the home who's, who's a godly husband, a godly father, a man who fears the Lord, who walks uprightly. It has an impact on the entire family and the community. It's hard work, but it's eternal work, and it's the very work that pastors have been called to undertake. 
The problem with what we're doing right now and, and the issue is that it takes us away from that because we're blaming systems and we're not addressing the heart. That's it. And, you know, Paul told the believers in Corinth, he said, when I came to Berlin, I was determined to know nothing among you but Jesus Christ and him crucified. Why? Because Christ is not a answer. He's not even one of the few answers. He's not one of the two answers. He's the only answer. When we, when we uh, digress from that path, we're telling the world that we need more answers in the Lord Jesus Christ, and therefore the sufficiency of Christ is under attack. But if we do the hard work of ministry, what it tends to do, it tends to equip our young men to be not only husbands and fathers, but lawyers and advocates in the, the courts. Uh, yeah. it, it helps them to be a voice of reason legally, not illegally. Look, look what's happened. And let's look at the example, brothers. Look what has happened when we respond with anger and with protests over the death, the tragic, wicked, evil death of George Floyd at the knee of another man created in God's image. Let me just say this before I get to my point. I just want to be clear with, with God's people and those who are listening. I saw two image bearers. I didn't see a black and a white man. And I have I make no apologies there. I saw two image bearers. And one failed to see the image of God in another and be, be human-like and to, to be respectful. I saw a murderer like Cain, but I also saw myself, that's my knee at the neck of another man. If I've ever been angry towards someone mm. with hate, if I've been angry and frustrated, if I've used words of hate, Jesus said it's the equivalence of murder. So the difference between George Chauvin and myself is the very mercy of God. Amen. It was John Flavel who said this. He said, look, God saves the vilest of sinners. And for us to ever think that John Chauvin's acts was as more vile or vile than, more vile than ours, we're sadly mistaken because we don't know our own hearts. This is not an issue of, of color, brothers. It's an issue of the heart. And I refuse to capitulate to this color-coded scheme that is rooted in Darwinism and I think is of the, the, the evil one. Okay. So now, yes, sir. Can you drive that a little bit further? Because that was one of the areas I wanted you to talk on was the reality of race being rooted in Darwinism. It means more coming from you than it does for me. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, I can say it, and I'm immediately called a racist, but you can say it. You have, you, you have more authority than I have because you have more melanin. Matt, there's no such thing as melanated truth, man. Come on now. It's, it's, it's the Ooh, truth. That's, that's what it is. It's the oh. truth. I, I know that you, but... you just you just struck the organ up in that one. Buddy. That, <laughs> that, that requires a, a real B3 right there. Catch. <laughs> well, you know. So I'm going to pause right here and say, I know what you're thinking. I know you're thinking this can't be the end of the podcast. It is the end of this podcast. This is part one. And we're going to come back next time for part two. And there's probably going to be a part three and four. We don't know yet, but wait and see until next time. Thank you for tuning into the Truth Talks podcast. And now here is the gospel of Jesus Christ. My name is Kimberly Mathis, and I'm from Santa Teresa Baptist Church in Santa Teresa, New Mexico. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. El Evangelio Bíblico comienza con Dios. De la nada, Dios hizo todo, incluyéndonos a usted y a mí, para brindarle mucho placer. Su propósito para nosotros como humanidad era amarlo, obedecerlo y disfrutarlo perfectamente. En lugar de eso, el hombre ha pecado contra nuestro amoroso Creador y ha actuado en rebelión. Como Dios es bueno y justo, debe castigar el pecado y merece el castigo eterno consciente bajo la ira de Dios en el infierno. Pero Dios, siendo misericordioso, amoroso y lleno de gracia, tenía un plan para castigar el pecado y ser un juez justo. Y sin embargo, perdonar a los pecadores y mostrar misericordia. 
enviando a su propio Hijo Jesucristo, el Hijo igualitario y coeterno de Dios, para venir como hombre cumpliendo sus requisitos perfectos en el lugar de los pecadores, amarlo, obedecerlo y disfrutarlo perfectamente. Además, Jesús llevó toda la ira de Dios sobre la cruz, ya que satisfechó el enojo eterno de Dios, de pie en lugar de los pecadores, aunque Él mismo era perfectamente sin pecado. Dios mostró su aceptación del sacrificio de Cristo a resucitar a Jesús de la muerte después de tres días en la tumba. Ahora Jesús ordena a todas, en todas partes, que se arrepientan, se aparten de sus pecados y crean o confíen en Él. Esta es la transacción gloriosa. Dios luego carga la perfección de Cristo al pecador y ya no lo ve como un enemigo, sino como hijos e hijas adoptados, cubiertos por la justicia perfecta de su Hijo. Ahora podemos tener paz con Dios y tener vida eterna con Él para siempre. Es verdad para cada persona, en cada cultura, en cada lugar, en cada idioma, a través de los tiempos. Entonces, nuestra respuesta a esta buena noticia es arrepentimiento y fe. Estimado oyente, he aquí ahora, es el tiempo aceptado. He aquí ahora, es el día de salvación. Apártate de tus pecados, cree en el Señor Jesucristo y hoy reconcíliate con Dios. The biblical gospel starts with God. Out of nothing, God made everything, including you and me, to bring himself much pleasure. His purpose for us as humanity was to love, obey, and enjoy him perfectly. Instead of this, man has sinned against our loving creator and acted in rebellion. Since God is good and just, he must punish sin that deserves eternal conscious punishment under God's wrath and hell. But God, being merciful, loving, and gracious, had a plan to punish sin, and so be a just judge, and yet forgive sinners, and so display mercy by sending his own son, Jesus Christ, the co-equal and co-eternal son of God, to take on human flesh, fulfilling his perfect requirements in the place of sinners, loving, obeying, and enjoying him perfectly. Furthermore, Jesus bore the full wrath of God upon the cross, as he satisfied the eternal anger of God, standing in the place of sinners, though he was himself perfectly sinless. God showed his acceptance of Christ's sacrifice by raising Jesus from the dead after three days in the grave. Now Jesus commands everyone everywhere to repent, turn from their sins, and believe, trust in him. This is the glorious transaction. God then charges Christ's perfection to the sinner and no longer views him as an enemy, but instead, as adopted sons and daughters covered in the perfect righteousness of his son. We can now have peace with God and have eternal life with him forever. It's true for every person, in every culture, in every place, in every language, through all time. So our response to this good news is repentance and faith. Dear here, behold now is the accepted time. Behold now is a day of salvation. Turn from your sins, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and this day be reconciled to God. Thanks for tuning in today. Please subscribe to the podcast and leave a comment. 
If you have a question, please send them to the Truth Talks Podcast at gmail.com. Visit our Instagram and Twitter at the Truth Talks Podcast and visit our website at BelcroftBibleChurch.org. Delighting in the Word that we might walk in the truth. A ministry of Belcroft Bible Church.